she helped me move through it as opposed to getting stuck and giving up. And, you know, that whole story that we tell ourselves that when we hit a wall that, oh, I can't do this, you know? Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 109 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren, recording from Austin. This is the third one here in Austin, Texas. And I am joined by my sister Renee in Vegas. Hello. Yes. Lots of Austin recordings this time. Awesome. (laughs) Today's a very special day because we are going to be joined by two amazing women, Laura and Kathy. We cannot wait to introduce them to you. So I think we have been talking a lot more about mindset, spirituality, and tapping into your intuition because it's such a huge piece of the healing puzzle. I think my my good friend Freddie, who actually connected me with Kathy and then Laura, he always says you can't bypass your spiritual bullshit. I think that's hilarious. I think that might be a Jack Cruz thing, but it's just so true. If we're not able to be still and, and tap into our needs, our desires, um, you know, our core values, we can have these energy blockages, and that really can pose a problem for for health challenges. And I think whether you've had a health challenge or whether you're just dealing with anxiety or isolation post-pandemic or during the pandemic, I just think that's really relevant and really topical for everyone. And Kathy and Laura have built this incredible 12-week online program for empowerment communication. It is for women and they both have amazing healing stories and they've been able to create a program that helps other women. I think kind of similar to us, Renee, it was like, we feel like we go through all the weeds, we, we experience, we try to, you know, see what works, what doesn't work so that we can give other people the tools and make it just a little bit easier. And, and Kathy and Laura have really done that. They are just so tapped into their own intuition and have just as a clear communication for helping others to do the same. They're just incredible. Yeah. They really are like a dynamic duo. Um, I love that they both say, you know, that, you know, Laura brings something to the table, Kathy brings something to the table, but together they're even more powerful. And, you know, we say that a lot on the podcast, I could never do this without you. So I think there's such power in that relationship. And I'm grateful for you and Freddie for introducing me now to Laura and Kathy. Today was my first time meeting them. And I was just blown away by everything that they said. I I think I was either smiling or had a jaw drop most of the episode. Um, I already learned so much and I'm really excited about their 12 week program. And, you know, they had, I was on the verge of tears like the whole time. (laughs) My eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It was either like smiling, crying, surprised. Yeah. Just so many emotions throughout the whole episode. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely could have just kept talking to them. And then, you know, of course we hit, uh, end recording and we keep talking and we're like, Oh, we should have 
you know, <laughs> talked more, but I think you all are just going to absolutely enjoy this episode and learn some really great practical tips that we can start doing. Um, especially mm-hmm. during this crazy time we're in very crazy time. And just a little bit of a backstory, how I met Kathy. So our friend, Freddie Kimmel, who um, runs the beautifully broken podcast. He's been on our podcast, amazing individual. I'm staying with him in Austin. He works for Amp Coil and Amp Coil is the connector here. So Laura, sorry, Kathy is a part of the Amp Coil family and they have this barn up in Redding, Connecticut. I stayed there on the grounds. Oh my gosh, their home is just so beautiful. It's like this magical healing grounds and, and their family just had a really wild experience um, challenge with Lyme disease and autoimmune. And they were able to pull themselves out of that and, and heal themselves back to optimal health with the amp coil. So that's kind of a side note. The amp coil is incredible. And that's our, our connector here, but so they've built this 12 week program. They're going to explain what it is and how it may be for you. I certainly want to sign up for it. And so does Renee. And we invite and encourage any of you that are listening to join us because I think, wow, it's just another level of healing. Yeah. It would be great to have more people in the group. We can all grow together. Accountability. And I think hashtag better together, right? Yes. (laughs) Love it. So here's just a little bit more about Laura and Kathy, then I promise I will stop talking. (laughs) Uh, Reverend Laura Young, Reverend Kathy Willihan are co-founders of Be Loved Now, a growing community of women supporting each other in embodied practice, compassionate communication, and spiritual growth. Be Loved Now offers a 12-week online program of healing and empowerment, a Be Loved graduate immersion year, in-person workshops, and annual retreats in Costa Rica. All of the Be Love Now offerings are grounded in embodied practice of the 12 guiding spiritual principles. Practices include meditation, journaling, compassionate communication techniques, breath work, co-listening, and ritual ceremony for trauma recovery and transformation. These being practices are emotional fluidity tools to live in alignment with core soul values for a passionately engaged life. Their work together is a rich coalescence of decades of education, training, and lived experience, guiding hundreds of people home to their hearts and their own blessed knowing. They are both ordained interfaith, interspiritual ministers with a focus on spiritual counseling. ERYT, that's registered yoga teacher, 500 trained teachers of yoga and meditation, and independent AMP coil ambassadors, amplifying wellness and support through chronic illness. Oh, I love that part about bringing people home to their hearts. I think you are going to feel that, see that, and um, really, really love their energy very much. Yeah. My heart feels very full after today's Mm. recording. All right. Let's bring Laura and Kathy on. Welcome, Laura. Welcome, Kathy, to the Biohacker Views podcast. We are so thrilled to be chatting with you today. This foursome is awesome, and your background is so beautiful. Welcome. How are you? It's a beautiful day to be here and to be with you guys. We really appreciate the invite to be on and we're super excited to be here. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you, Renee. Yeah. Grateful to be present. So this is so fun to have four women on the call together. Renee and I co-create, you two co-create. You've created this amazing 12-week online empowerment and healing program. And you both have incredible stories of how you even reach this point to heal yourselves and to heal others. But I think I'm a little bit fascinated in this moment about how, as women, we can co-create and and help each other in this. I'm not sure what you would use as like a a teamwork framework. 
So how, how do you come together and co-create and how does that help your mission? Well, it does sort of relate to how we came together over time. Yeah. We found that it was always better together. And that was a process, right? It was a process. It was a process that enriched us both and enriched the teaching that we were doing at the time and ultimately benefited the women that we were working with. You know, we started collaborating and co-teaching together as yoga and meditation teachers, you know, over a decade ago. And Kathy owned a yoga studio, Open Sky Yoga Barn in Reading, Connecticut. And I came in and and asked her if I could collaborate with her. And that began really the deepening of our relationship. We found that in this process of collaborating and co-creating, that bigger magic was happening. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just Kathy. It was, it was the third thing. It was the two of us coming together to create something bigger, not just for ourselves, but for other people as well. Mm, that's really beautiful. And I mean, we all need to hear that, especially after the pandemic of spending so much time alone. Connection is such a huge thing. And I would like to get into that shortly, but I would love to hear a little bit about each of your stories that sort of informed um, where you came from, how you got here. My background is, you know, I grew up in a family where my mother was incredibly spiritual. I had yogis from India coming and sitting in meditation in my house as a young girl. So I was exposed to that. She was part of the meditation on the Mount in Ojai, California. So that, that I walked in that. And then in my later years, found yoga, was always a seeker. Then I got sick with Lyme. And I don't know how long I had Lyme. Probably as a kid, I grew up on the North Shore of Long Island. But I got very sick with my first pregnancy and I have three children. And what happened was, was many, many years of dealing with chronic illness and trying to find both allopathic and holistic means for healing, which was an entire journey unto itself. So I would say like a 24-year journey. My oldest is 24. And we went everywhere. I mean, we did everything. We went to Lyme Literate Doctors. We went over to Switzerland to Paracelsus Clinic. We have tried so many things. And ultimately, it was when we found the AMP coil that everything shifted for my family in such a big way. And right at that time, we were collaborating together. We went to seminary. We became interfaith interspiritual ministers. We had been practicing yoga forever, teaching yoga. And we were together and we led a, a group of people through a Lyme to Wellness program, pilot program, volunteering our time with 12 individuals with chronic Lyme. And it was in that program that we found ourselves spiritual counseling everyone and, and, and mm-hmm. how important the emotional spiritual was to the physical healing. Yeah. You know, I would say ditto on all of that. I love the way you just <laughs> said all of that. Um, <laughs> is there anything more you want to say in your short and sweet? We version? just started kind of doing it. The Be Love Now yeah. program, it was like real time. It was literally like us sitting with people and talking with them and counseling and talking about meditation, talking about EFT tapping, talking about breath work, but leading them in embodied practice because that was the key for us was the embodied practice. And I think the Swamp Sister, I'll leave you off with this sort of Swamp Sister piece, but we were in a 500-hour teacher training for yoga and we had to do 60-day sadhana practice, which, you know, it's consistent spiritual practice, asana, meditation, we're chanters, and we're we, breath work. And we had both had young children. And so we, we found that the only time we could carve out for our practice was to get up super early in the morning 
And there were days when we would drag ourselves out of bed and light a candle and get on our mat at 5.30 because we knew that right around the corner, because we lived a couple of miles away from each other, that I knew that Kathy was doing the same thing. So even though I, I came <laughs> up against- Accountability. Yeah. So even though I came up against like serious resistance at about day 31, I could call Kathy. I could share my experience with her. And there was that experience of being witnessed in my resistance that really made all of the difference because I, she helped me move through it as opposed to getting stuck and giving up. And, you know, that whole story that we tell ourselves that when we hit a wall that, oh, I can't do this, you know? And then we, that was part of also why we decided with the Be Love Now, because we, mm-hmm. the relationship that we have is so beautiful and mm-hmm. it's so incredibly inspiring and we keep showing up and, and skilling up and leveling up because we, that's who we both are. We have yeah. tremendous growth mindset. Yeah. So in that spiritual realm, what we found was that it was the bypassing and the process skipping occurs when you're not embodied, right? When, you, when you're not bringing right. it in and through the body. And we keep each other accountable in that way. And then that's what we were like, how can we create a program where we can like share this with other women? Right. They take everything that we know, take all of the practices that we've learned in yoga and meditation, practices based on Kathy's journey through serious illness, through my journey with addiction and earlier recovery from family dynamics that had sexual abuse and trauma in them. You know, like, how do you recover from all that? You learn tools along the way. So how do we bring all of that experience in together, the yoga, the meditation, the interfaith, interspiritual ministry program that we went to and create a vehicle, a program that we can use to help other women heal and transform their lives. And it's that daily, steady, embodied practice, which seems like so simple, (laughs) It was, a, it was a way for us to really find a way to make this as accessible and relatable as possible mm-hmm. so that everyone could have the experience that, you know, taking everything that we learned and coalescing it into this new thing. Which is yeah. really about staying with yourself with love. <laughs> it really I mean, gets very that's, simple. That's, that's the simple part. Right. And everyone deserves that, it, right? It's like the relationship <laughs> that you have with yourself and source. Mm-hmm. What is that? All right, so we're going to figure out how everyone that's listening can get to where you are because that is an amazing, amazing place to be. Yeah. I, if I, I can just jump in. I think what you were saying about Lyme, a lot of that really resonates with me because I spent uh, seven years working at, or actually our father's biological dental practice in Maryland, and we would see so many Lyme patients I mean, especially being, you know, on the East coast where Lyme is pretty rampant, but so often I would see these patients that had seen 20 practitioners, like very similar to your story. They'd been all around the U S maybe left the country. They come in with their grocery bag of supplements and I'm there to coach them with the nutrition piece, but I'm like, the nutrition is like such a small sliver. I think what you are doing was the missing piece for so many of these people. So I just, I'm, I'm grateful that you went through that and experienced that and grew from it. I think you are going to be able to help so many people. And I also selfishly wish I knew about what you were doing back then, but I think going forward. Yeah. We've really been talking a lot about mindset and spirituality on the podcast. We really have been pushing more in that direction because that is the missing piece. And I see that with clients. I'm like, I'm almost like, I'm not qualified because I could do the nutrition and the fitness and the lab testing, like Renee said, but there's this whole other piece. So what do you see in, in health? Like how has this 
a lack of spiritual connection or a lack of inner knowing, how is that affecting our health and how is it expressing itself either physically, biologically? What are you seeing? It's everything. Yeah. Look, trauma is like the big word right yeah. now, right? So we've got yeah. big, very popular. Teams, right? <laughs> so, and we, we had part of that somatic experiencing, right? We, in our training as ministers, and what we find is that sitting with ourselves on a continuous basis, like, you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, if you miss a day, <laughs> everything's lost. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. we, what we've experienced yeah. is that we've now been meditating really for like 40 years consistently. And, and in the practice that we have created, since we have been doing the Be Love Now program, our lives have shifted dramatically. Dramatically. <laughs> and so yeah. when you have that container and you continue to practice, it's like the container just keeps growing so that you can hold more and more discomfort and uncertainty. And the more we can allow ourselves to feel into and experience and move through, we call it emotional fluidity, the more joy it's like, it's both ends of the spectrum. You just increase your capacity to hold all of it, to lean more into joy, Mm -hmm. to experience the grief. Mm -hmm. I mean, a short, really quick story. So my dad has um, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's and on last Saturday, I helped my stepmom move him into a memory care center. And it's, heartbreaking. And there's been so much grief on my part, on both of our parts all along the way. And I was sitting, that was Saturday and I really had to hold it together and to really support the process, you know, to be there present for my father um, and your stepmom and my stepmom who was very, having a very difficult day. And so I allowed myself Sunday was the day where it really, the grief really hit me hard. And I allowed myself to just have the space and time to sit with myself, to allow myself to weep and allow the energy to move through me, to journal about it. So that was Sunday. On Monday morning, I woke up and I was pretty feeling pretty flat and dull. Like I had just done a bunch of grieving. You know, I'm like, oh, I know the grief is there beneath the surface, but I'm not really feeling it right now. And then I watched the clip of Jade Carey, the Olympic gymnast, win the gold medal on her floor routine. (laughs) And her performance was so breathtakingly beautiful that I just found myself, like, I just split wide open and started weeping again, but it was in joy. Mm. And the difference now for me in, in moving through grief, as opposed to three years ago, before we were doing this Be Love Now program, I lost a very dear friend. He was 50 something years old. He died unexpectedly. I've known him my whole life. And I was, he went dark. I went dark. I felt like the grief had taken over my life to an extent where everything else felt dead to me. And my experience with my dad and being in the steady embodied practice on a regular basis is that my container has grown wider and wider and wider, and I can hold the immensity of all of it, the grief and the beauty, the sadness, the, the trickles of irritation and anger and denial, you know, like all of the, the many, many different flavors of the day. And it doesn't, I don't feel dead to life. I am experiencing deep grief. But you're alive. But I am very much alive. Fully alive. And that's a really phenomenal experience to be able to have. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's a hard, really hard thing to go through. 
Yeah. I really love the analogy about the container because so many times, you know, physically nutrition wise, we talk about hormesis a lot on the show with biohacking. It's like going to that point of discomfort. And I've always pictured being like on the edge of a cliff or maybe Mm -hmm. there's a wall there and you're going to push it back a little bit. This now I'm envisioning just like the space and the support rather than the resistance. And I think even just mentally, I was that just shifted big time for me in my brain. I really like that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm excited to keep learning from both of you about dealing with so many things, especially grief. I have personally felt like I don't deal with that well. And I know there's so many people that feel that way. Personally, I uh, lost my older cat a couple months ago. And I know some people are like, oh, it's just a pet, but my husband and I don't have kids and we work from home. I'm like, the, my two cats are my kids. And I experienced that. I felt like I felt like dead to the world for a couple of weeks. I was like, I don't really want to do anything else. So I just wanted to share that. I know it's so hard, but I'm excited to learn more from you and, and help others through that. I think that's so important. Hey, four-leggeds are family, man. That's <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they yes. are family. There's no ego. It's unconditional <laughs> love. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do we work through that? And I, I know a lot of loss has happened in this past year, but also just so much isolation. I don't, I think people don't know how to get out of that or start to expand their container. And so many people say, I'm not good at meditation, not good at breath work. So other than enrolling in your program, which we're going to get to, which I think is a really, really powerful tool. What other actionable advice or, or where did you start that was that maybe helped you to to find some consistency other than the accountability between the two of you, which is a fabulous I, tool? I think for me, I'll say part of my short and sweet story is that, you know, I came from a family that was not present, as opposed to Kathy having been exposed to spiritual practice. I came from a family that um, bore the legacies of alcoholism and addiction and abuse. Right. So my, in my family, we pretended everything was fine and that everything was okay. Right. And it just led to not being able to, to understand how I felt or what I needed. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody stayed quiet. Nobody spoke up. So there was abuse, there was addiction. And I spent years medicating myself. You know, I left home, I went to college, I dropped out of college, I went to India. Like I was looking and searching. And it wasn't until I, Really, truly, I had a yoga practice. I had a little bit of a meditation practice, but it wasn't until I actually got sober in a 12-step program that I was introduced to meditation like on on a very serious, like, this is what you need to do. I was told that for myself, that for for a lot of people, they could just stop drinking. For me, I needed to expand my spiritual heart. And that was the best advice anyone had given me. And that was six months into my sobriety. And so I started looking, I got involved in a serious yoga practice. I was involved to, involved and exposed with to breath work and yogic philosophy. And I started a meditation practice. So for me, I came in kind of like through the side door. It wasn't something that was intuitive for me until I started doing it. <laughs> and then I had a supportive community that helped me stay steady in it. And that's key. Yeah. It's, it's really mm-hmm. key. To yeah. have a community where you feel supported and you have a sense of accountability mm-hmm. around it. I think the missing piece, the piece, and it's not necessarily missing, but I think it's, you, you know, we're always adding, yeah. right? And deepening. We, yeah. we, we deepen into growth and practice. Yeah. And can we, we remove the layers that are obscuring us that 
from the, that unencumbered spot of grace that's at the, at the very core of our beings. It's not like we're chasing it. it it's always been it's here. Always there. Yeah. It's just that it's been covered over by layers of acculturation and conditioning and societal demands and, you know, on and on and on. Like you think mm-hmm. of biohacking, right? You're going to do things. I mean, you know, we use red light. We have foot bath, Amcor. Stem cell sauna, patches. You know, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the goodies. Yeah. All the toys. We're kind of adolescents in it, but we're yeah. totally gay. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we're we going to, she's creating it like a literally like a, we are calling it now, not a yoga studio, but a biohacking, biohacking studio. studio. Like we're going to put like, you know, a pole too. Gonna strip a pole, <laughs> the whole thing. So, oh, yes. Perfect. Dance and play. Movie, have you seen the movie? Um, Strip down, rise up. No, no, but oh, I'm gonna oh. put it on my list. Super oh. good Netflix. Sheila oh. Kelly. Yeah, the S, really good. the S Factor. She Super runs good. programs across the United States, but it's following her and students through a six month journey from total body shame and hatred to embracing. Because it's all about embracing the your, truth of who the you truth are. of who you are. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to watch tough. that. It's it's, really it's phenomenal. You should definitely queue it up. I think it's on Netflix. Yep, it yeah. is. Yeah. But say the name one more time. Um, strip down. Strip down. Rise up. Rise up. Awesome. That the, thank I you. Love it. It's so good. The, so good. I was what I was kind of going yeah, with yeah. that was answering. I don't know if we said this before we started recording, but we were chatting, and you know, you guys were saying something along the lines of, you know, here you do all this wellness and biohacking. And then yet this sort of emotional, spiritual component is, is also so important. And you notice that it needs to be incorporated. And this right. is what we find. And this is what I tell people all the time, like with the amp coil, like the amp coil can bring you like 70, 80%, 80%. of the way. But if you don't deal with that underlying emotional stuff and right. learn how to move the energy, that right. energy, right. Cause it's all just energy. It's not the feelings, mm-hmm. not right. who you are. The emotion, the emotions, <laughs> The emotions are meant to move, move through you and they're information. We don't mm-hmm. are supposed to stick in you and, you know, lodge themselves in you and dictate how you interact in the world and how you frame how you see yourself. Because a lot of time that then becomes illness that then has to be right. treated, right? So right. what we yeah. found as a game changer, and I was introduced to nonviolent communication years ago, which yeah. then I incorporated into what we call compassionate, compassionate communica- communication. communication, is this practice of identifying your feelings around any charged subject. It can be uh, something you're struggling with, like the pandemic, um, anything. It could be the thought, I can't meditate. I'm never going to learn to meditate. And what that ca- what feelings that causes for you when you think of it or loop around it. And then looking at what needs. What are the underlying needs that either are either are being met, met or, or not, not met? met? So in relationship, if you have a really positive relationship, the feelings are going to be in that sort of ecstatic, joyful, nurturing, content, portion of the feelings and some needs are being met of like deep connection and, you know, probably in that spiritual realm, but there's, there's a whole range of feelings and most people, ourselves included, were not taught growing up how to to do this, how to articulate, (laughs) how to articulate how I'm feeling at any given moment. I see that a lot. We either assume or we don't know how to say it. I, I've seen this in my own relationship. Just give you an example. It's like, are you going to be done work? Are you, are you going to put that work down? Rather than saying, hey, I would love to spend quality time with you. Do you mind putting that down? <laughs> that would be a need rather than just saying like, ah. <laughs> and, and you're staying with you. And you're staying with you as opposed to 
this projecting that always is going on, making assumptions about what the other person is thinking or feeling, we stay yeah. with ourselves. Mm. I feel this. Mm-hmm. I feel this, this, and this because I have a need for this, this, and this. Mm. It, it, it's so it's simple. simple and profound. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's, I think that would be that other piece of what we do mm-hmm. that it, we, we feel that's an embodied practice because we lead people through meditation, right? Through even just sessions, you know, you guys might call it coaching. We call it counseling, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's that we sit with you and we witness you. Mm -hmm. We don't see you as broken, right? We just see veils and layers, right? right? And then we just help to remove this and remove that by inviting you in to listen to the the truth of who you are, that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being in touch with how you feel and what you need. Because yeah. if you don't know that, you cannot possibly get in touch with what your core soul values are. And this is and this is the piece where daily practice or regular practice is so important because when you do feelings and needs on a regular basis, you start to realize that, hey, my needs really my feelings can change around a lot, of course, because emotions, energy, it's moving. But the needs, they're pretty much the same. And so you get you suddenly start like realizing that, mm-hmm. hey, I actually do have this sense of what I need on a regular it's, basis. And that's it's the same as core values. They're it's very much related. related. They're very much related. What I was going to say about the needs is that it's the beginning of creating a sense of safety and trust within ourselves by really checking in on a regular basis with how I feel what I need, getting a sense of what's okay and what's not okay. How do I meet myself where I am? Right. And it's from that practice that we start really being able to see the connection to what the underlying soul, you know, core soul needs are the values themselves. Right. The needs are are like, they point the way into the values and some needs are the same as values. But the thing is, is once we align with our values, we line up we start making decisions in our life based on those. It's like, we're sort of like, so freedom is a high value. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. just a high core soul value. It might change over time, but it's big, right? And growth. So for me, it's like, I can't, I can't apologize for that. Like that's just, you know, I, when I line up with that, I'm grooving. Right. And I feel really good and in alignment when I deny that aspect of myself to maybe make somebody else feel more comfortable. Mm doesn't go so well. Hmm. Right. <laughs> and for me as well, I have come to understand that my um, core values are trust, growth, passion, and joy. And so it, it, whenever, whatever situation I'm in, I've just come off of um, a relationship that a long-term relationship that ended, I was, uh, went through a mediation and divorce and all along the way, I've been steered by these values like and everything lined up. Everything lined up. The whole process went boom, 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 because I was so clear about what, how I felt, what I needed, and what the underlying values were on how I wanted to continue to steer my life. Yeah. I did some work with Sean Croxton a few years ago. I don't know if you know that name, but um, mm-hmm. all about figuring out your core values. And this is maybe four or five years ago. And I was literally pen and paper, writing it out, thinking it out, uh, creating my perfect day and just putting that out there within two years, everything I wanted that came to fruition just by tapping into my core values and what I really needed or wanted in life. It's just kind of cool to see things play out like that. 
Fascinating. Yeah, it's right? powerful. And it's yeah. always it's always evolving and changing. Sure. It's not like they it's on, not right? like set right, right. <laughs> never be different. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's periods of periods and, and phases in our lives where some things are are of the priority and then it changes and it becomes something else. So again, this regular daily practice of helps you to stay present to the miracle of the life that you're already living. <laughs> I mean, that's right. really yeah. which is about about like loving the life you have as opposed to, you know, wanting it to be different. Right. Mm. The, the whole, I'll be happy when exactly statement. Yeah. That's a really common thing. So maybe we can take a step back just to generalize things. Like what is spirituality? Like, what does that mean to you? Because I guess there's no perfect de- or one definition of what that means. What does that mean to you? For me, it's really simple. It's about bringing spirit in the matter you know, cause what I see, there's so much going on in that space mm-hmm. in our, in our world. Right. And mm-hmm. we've experienced many different spiritual communities. Like she lived in an ashram <laughs> and we, we, you know, we've been in yoga communities and they always seem to in some one way or another, the ego takes over power corrupts and there's disappointment. Right. Yeah. And so what we find, what we have found is that by embodying these principles, we call them the guiding spiritual principles, mm-hmm. that they're, they're universal principles. So another way that you can sort of experience that is through 12 step, but our right. lens is a very spiritual lens. And you find those principles in all wisdom traditions, right? religions, right? Native peoples, practices. And when we practice these things, and when we say practice, we're talking about embodied practice. So whether you're doing a yoga practice or a breath practice or a meditation practice. Or a journaling practice. It's in and through the body. That spirituality, when we don't connect it to this, it's about, it it can be, it's not every time, but it can really be about escape. It's just, Mm -hmm. it can be another drug, another addiction, another way to leave your body, to not have to be here now. Mm-hmm. And I've we have practiced yeah. all different kinds yeah. of meditation, and yeah. one of the classical, more classical yoga meditations is really very much about this is a problem. This is a problem, and so I'm going to get out of here <laughs> and try to and get try to, to get, my get somewhere else. My my chakra, right? Yeah, because that's safer, <laughs> right? And it's yep. very much similar to like, are you going to use ayahuasca as a tool for spiritual growth, which would be sort of like, you're not doing it on a regular basis, right? But the medicine is a teacher mm-hmm. and it informs your life over time. You see, it's very much like that. Or using it recreationally. Right. right? It's, yeah. So your right. bio, what are all your biohacking tools for? Ultimately, right? You want to live longer, probably a, a fuller life to be here, right. to experience yeah. the fullness and the right. joy of being human. And I guess you know we yeah. come back to talking about spirituality, and one of the you know one of the things about pra- the daily embodied practice is that we begin to understand and identify and understand that our belief systems, how we think, create our reality. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. And arcs. and so there's the, there's a piece of knowing yourself that's really important, I think, for us to talk about. And we've talked about it already, but it, it keeps coming back to being present. And I think for me, the spirituality is about being present to all that is and embracing it. I mean, that's radical acceptance right, right there. Mm-hmm. The yuck and the muck of it too. 
Yeah. It's so hard to do. It takes us back to that part, that conversation that I shared about my dad, you know, and that the, the grief and the joy, you know, it's like, can you hold it? How much of it can you hold? Can you hold it all? Can you have that immense experience? I mean, the spirituality, I think for me also, it's about, again, bringing it into my body and so that I can then be present in my life not for myself, but for other people and bringing it through like that. It's not just about me. It's about understanding that I'm in this with everyone else, that we're all in this together, right? Better together. Yeah. Kathy and I were talking yesterday. We have a, um, a, a yoga philosophy teacher who mm-hmm. used to say, mm-hmm. there's this teaching and it goes, from, it goes from isolation to oneness. And it goes like this. I'm nothing like you. I'm something like you. I'm nothing, nothing but, but you. you. <laughs> That's wow. great. Yeah. And that's kind of where we bring people over the 12 weeks. You know, the program starts in honesty and ends in joy. Yep. And each day there's a new quote or reading from interfaith, interspiritual. We bring in all different perspectives, you know, Buddhist, Christian. We bring in Islam. We bring in Native. We bring in the Course in Miracles. You know, we bring in, you know, we bring in poets. Yeah. <laughs> So like during that week of honesty, you're going to get all different perspectives of honesty. And then you, we digest it. And then we have some journal prompts and you write about your experience of honesty and how it lands for you in your body, in your experience. Mm -hmm. And over time, when you do that with each of the principles, there is this, and then you're sharing and you're having an experience of other people sharing their experience. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm nothing but anybody really, <laughs> you know, because we, we isolate ourselves. Yeah. We think it's just us. Right. And yep. yet once you start to, you know, shame loves secrecy. Yeah. So when you allow yourself to be vulnerable in a safe space, all of a sudden it's, oh man, I am not alone. And, and I, I am not alone and I'm inspired by everyone else's courage in walking this earth walk, you know? That's beautiful. That feels really topical right now. <laughs> Renee and I were just talking before we got on. I mean, I think everyone had their experience of isolation in this past year. I feel like I know we're not alone in this, but we felt it in maybe a different way than what was popular and common. Whereas we, what community and tribe we thought we had ended up being something completely different. What are the tools to recalibrate or is it just pen to paper, that honesty? Is that, is that always the first step? That's for me. That's always it. How do I feel? What do I need? What's really going on for me right now? What's really would, going on? Yeah. yeah. What do I, what do I need? And, and I think when it comes to, you know, we've been really talking about relationship recently and what, what it really comes down to for me is to really understand what are the threads of vibrancy that I want to nourish with the people that I choose to spend my life with, whether it's relationships in my inner circle of intimacy or the next layer out or the next layer out, you know, how do we keep these things alive? And I think that is part of the question that you were asking when you were talking about a community that you thought you had that turned out to be something completely different and probably just at least disappointing, if not more so. Absolutely. So many people in this last year have encountered such deep despair over things that they feel like they've lost or things that they thought that they had and didn't realize that they never did have. Hmm. Yeah. 
That's the thing yeah. that Penn did was it it it, it kind it of exposed. like it exposed yeah. because it simplified a lot of things. It made other things more complicated. But when when we are distracted, right? So the, the opposite of spiritual practice is distraction, non-presence. <laughs> so yeah. most most yeah. of us go out in the world. And we are distracted. You know, we go to work and then we're running around and we go to the gym and then we did it and we're picking up this kid or we're going to that thing. We've got and we're something every, every hour in, right? of the day. There <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, you yeah. know, your life sort of passes you by and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm 50 or whatever. Or the kids are all grown. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's the opposite of spiritual practice. So what happens in spiritual practice is when we talk about that container, it's like there's actually no regret or very little regret because we keep deepening into the experience that we're having. Of being present to the life that we have. And so there are all of these rich moments that are always happening, but half the time we're missing them. So the pandemic was that opportunity where everything slowed down and everybody had to sit with themselves and, and most of the people freaked out. Yeah. Because it was like, yeah. OMG, right. yeah. I actually don't know what it's like to sit with myself in silence and my mind is monkeying around. And I, so I would say mm-hmm. that it's not just being committed to the practice. Cause I know a lot of like long, long-term meditators that have no sense of spiritual community around yeah. it. Right. And I think that that's also really important because once we established that with each other, mm-hmm. we can be really like, we'll just say like, um, like the, I'll give you, I'll be totally raw and honest. Like the other night I was driving home. It was really late. We had a rough family, family night, you know, and, um, I'm driving You're home, coming, back from, coming back from Long Island. It's really late. I didn't want to be on the road that late. I don't like driving at night. And there I am. And I was like, Oh, I'm feeling so tired. And it's kind of despairing. Like after what just went down, because it had been a repeat of dynamics, yeah, dynamics that, had that had happened in yeah. this relationship. And all of a sudden I had that thought of like, well, if a truck just crossed over the median, you know, and mm. like, I'm kind of good, like, you know, <laughs> you know, and it was real and I wouldn't do any, you know, I'm not suicidal or anything, but it was that sort of moment of like, yeah, I'm really tired. Like if I was taken out, I guess it would really be okay right in this moment. That's yeah. how I felt. Okay. The- now I know that you two have probably had those feelings, but probably don't talk very much about them. And what we have found is that when we allow ourselves to say, I got to, I got to own up something. I got to clear something. something. And we just speak it. What happens is like, all of a sudden we stop taking ourselves so damn seriously. We're able to get a little bit of space from it. And it's like, so that there's an objectivity that we can almost become witness to our own experience. hmm. That, that how we feel and what we're thinking is not who we are. Is not, we think that that's all there is. The person I see in the mirror, how I feel and, and what I think is all of who I am. Well, guess what? That's n- not at all. <laughs> right. That's not yeah. at all everything about me. So when you're yeah. in relationship, yeah. and so our There's a We Love Now community is built upon this compassionate communication. So once you're a graduate, we have monthly calls and then on the calls, we practice. So we go out, we break out into rooms. You do feelings and needs with your partner. You journal around it. So it's like we keep coming back to practicing. And what happens is it's powerful because we're do- our soul is literally, our shy souls are just longing for that kind of deep connection, Dying but there out. aren't real yeah. spaces for it. 
What we found in, in spiritual community was sort of like, it was not real. There was an aspect of it that was sort of like surface. Yep. And then when you got, whenever the like rubber hit the road or shit got real, people bailed. Right. Or they couldn't handle holding space for people who were suffering. And that is really when, when the Be Love Not program and what we're doing is building that container of, of being able to sit with our own suffering. Because when we can sit with our own discomfort, uncertainty, mm -hmm. and all of that, which is really like around, ultimately around the fear of death. So when you can sit in that space, all of a sudden, your capacity to be able to sit with others grows. And that's what our graduates tell us. Like, oh my God, I was able to be there for my, you know, da, da, and I never could have done that before. Right. And that's, that is like <laughs> the, the heart of like radical acceptance and fierce compassion. And all, which are ultimately the working qualities of love. I have seen yeah. that so much where a, a friend or acquaintance is going through someone and I've been the other person and I've seen other people be the other person where they're like, self-preservation, I can't handle that. They're going through something. And now I see, oh, wow, it's, it's this person that has to deal with their own stuff, just like you said, to make space for it. Right. Well, because yeah. when we haven't really allowed our trauma to, to feel and to move past and get the support that we need for to move into like right. trauma recovery, trauma growth, we can't get to trauma transformation unless we're witnessed. Right. We can't do it by ourselves. <laughs> so because, oh, because normally so the trauma has happened and we've kept, we've kept quiet about it. So like yeah, if right. you're in therapy and you're working with like a somatic experience, there are experiences that can get you so far. That's a great step or yeah. rapid eye, you know, and all that stuff. But ultimately when you start to broaden your perspective and community and allow other people, not just one, not just two, but more people to witness you in your truth in a safe space. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, and it moves into a place of transformation. And it, it really, it mm. amplifies, it really amplifies the, the experience. Yeah. It amplifies wellness. Yeah. Oh, it's just magical yeah. to me. So this yeah. is really interesting timing because just this morning, friends of, of mine and my husband, um, they just lost their dog to cancer two days ago. And the wife is really, really grieving. She's like me, like us, like big animal lover. And her husband is like, the dog was old. You knew he was going to pass. Like, why are you so upset? And I was saying to her that that's him. Like you, you do, you do you. But like, I think exactly what you just said, he doesn't have that space to be there to support her. It's hard to say, like, I think you need to work on you for him, but <laughs> right. you know, it's like, it's not, it's not you, you, you got to do you and right. not worry about exactly. him, but it's hard to watch that. Yeah. Well, we all have different beliefs, but you shouldn't shame someone else for not believing the same. And people, yeah. people, you know, based, based on, based on acculturation and conditioning and family, family experience, the, the dynamics of childhood, people need different amounts of time to process. Right. We've gotten to the point where we can pretty much process real time. We're pretty close, pretty close to real time, but that's a skill. I'm not patting yeah. ourselves on the back saying, Oh, we're so great. I'm just like, it's, it's been, it's happened over time. Well, and it's a willingness to go it's through a willingness to, to be uncomfortable, a willingness to have hard conversations. So like, in a to be honest and, and like, so in a situation like that, just to make this very practical around what we do. Yeah. So your friends, 
what we do is help teach the tools in which to communicate around difficult situations mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. for that, for your friend to be able to sit with herself and understand how she feels when her husband or partner or whatever it is says that to her to basically get over it right yeah. like you know just hey i mean what's the big deal we knew about this right so how does what does that do in the moment when she hears it so for her to move through her feelings mm-hmm. around it because at the end of the day that's all she can do she can't do him <laughs> yeah and so right when she, we call it staying in your own lane <laughs> so when you when you move through that even if she doesn't share it with him Right. So what we have found is profound healing happening, even just by understanding the feelings and the needs around something in a relationship that maybe you don't share, but maybe you find the courage to share. And what usually happens if the person is at all open, right, and wanting to maybe go deeper in relationship with that person, they're able to at least stay present and acknowledge that person's feelings. If they're really not in that space, they'll take it personally. But if you (laughs) and and you go, okay, that's you. I'm just talking about my feelings because we never use the word you. It's always when I heard you say that we've known about this. He's old, right? I felt disheartened, sad, and dismissed because I have a need for being heard, emotional intimacy intimacy and connection. Mm -hmm. And you can leave it at that. Or you could say, would you be willing to mirror back to me what you heard me say? Because a lot of times the miscommunication is actually in the translation. And then you just could have that conversation where that person's like, oh, well, what I heard you say was, and you can fine tune it. Well, actually, I, I said dismayed, you know, when they said the wrong feeling or whatever. But you can just start to bridge communication around you, staying with yourself staying with, with love. yourself. It's yeah. really, really powerful. And it's actually yeah. very simple. But it's about yeah. really, truly listening to each other. You know, the Vietnamese monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, says that listening deeply is love. Attention is love. Your presence is love. Because it's the greatest gift you can give someone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel that just, you know, having dinner with my husband and putting our phones away and just like (laughs) that, that is love to me. Just really communicating and having no distractions. I think that is a great gift to yourself and to others. That's beautiful, Renee. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like being present is so difficult because our society is very masculine dominant in its energy, right? Isn't like technology forward motion is all masculine where like earth nature is feminine. So even women don't have a lot of feminine energy and we're always like thinking into the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do we nourish? I'm a little bit fascinated with this right now because I've noticed in the last year, like I have this whole energy thing, like my masculine side is like totally freaking out. How do we nourish? (laughs) How do we nourish the other side? How do we come back and find balance? Well, it's, it's interesting because would you say, Lauren, that you're very disciplined? That's an interesting word. I'll, uh, to make it easy. Yes. Okay. So just like, just like to, to keep it disciplined. So if you're, if you're disciplined, it's, it's about taking that same capacity that you have and just redirecting it in another way to create space for yourself to be with yourself. There's this very short form of checking in and it really is feelings and needs, 
but it's in a, in a little bit of a different way. And I started doing this a bunch of years ago when I was sponsoring another woman, uh, when I was sponsoring other women in the 12 step program is that I taught them because I was doing this with myself. I taught people how to speak to themselves as if they were their own best friend and check in. Like I would always model and I'll do this, you know, here's my vulnerability, place a hand on my heart and look at myself in the mirror and say, Hey, dear one. Hey, love. How are you today? How do you feel? Are you thirsty? Would you like a glass of water? Are you hungry? Would you like something to eat? Are you sleepy? Do you need to nap? Or do you feel like you need to get outside and get some air, fresh air and movement? Knowing that each question, there's a pause and I feel it's a visceral process of kind of moving through. And it sounds super simple. Mm -hmm. It's probably something you could do with children, but there's something really sweet about taking a moment or two, checking in on some very basic needs, physical needs that helps get you into your body and create and like just that listening for the response, it just brings you into the present moment. And, yeah. that's, and that can be a doorway in for a lot of people to creating a little bit of space to just check in with themselves. You know, we talk about, you know, masculine rigidity and then fe- the feminine fluidity, feminine fluidity. And that's really the beginning for me. It's like checking in and being at home in my own, in, in my own presence in my own body in my own claiming my space i think that's a very big one for women especially is being willing to claim their space yeah oh yeah and that that's it's a huge thing and the oh and the other thing is that (laughs) in in that in that what you were speaking about just a minute ago that laura was answering there is also i think and, and this is like, these are subtleties and nuances, but it, it's happening all the time because when we're not communicating consciously and compassionately, there's a lot that's going on that's not said. So what we find is that by allowing space to practice feelings and needs in with each other, with ourselves, mm-hmm. with community, it's like you're, you're, you're working a muscle just like you do an exercise, right? You do that, you do a practice to get better at it. In normal communication, and especially from, I think, the masculine perspective of that forward moving, our society is kind of built on like not staying in the present. And so when someone is speaking, a lot of times someone is, the other person listening is not actually listening. They're They're already formulating a response. Three steps ahead. And that does not create connection. That does not create, I'm not really listening like, you know, to what you're saying about your friend and the dog, if I'm really listening to what you're saying, I enter into your experience and I pause. So when you were speaking about that, what came up for me, of course, is the experience I had with my dog. So immediately I'm like, oh, I get that. I'm feeling that. I know that, right? Before I go to any like, well, what's going to be my answer to her question? Or how can I make it my answer sound better than, you know? <laughs> so right. I think that's right. so important what you're saying, Lauren, is because the that's what embodied practice is about. It's about staying present with ourselves to be able to hear our intuition, our inner knowing. Most of us don't even have a clue 
And so we get, so, and, and if we are, we are in this practice of doing that, we come or we respond from our own truth and our own heart, right? We're not in reaction based on what the other person has said. And we're not afraid to pause. You know, one of the things mm -hmm. we say all the time we work with is, you know, you can say, let me take a moment. Yeah. Let me think about that. I don't know how I feel about that, actually. (laughs) You know, when you say that to men, they're like, what? Let me think about that and get back to you. (laughs) I experienced that the other day. There was a freak out. I was like, I just need a minute. (laughs) Let me be here. I'm not not sure. I'll get back to you later today. Or whatever you need. Or whatever. Oh, that makes that people makes, panic. <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't occur to a lot of people, most people, that they actually have a the choice, p- the power to make their own choice about around how they want to respond. Hmm. It doesn't have to be a knee jerk reaction in the moment. So funny, though, our society has conditioned us to just fill and be busy. And I was listening to Amy Poehler on a podcast and when she was on SNL and Christopher Walken was the guest, they were, they were doing a scene together and then they had to pause because the camera guys had to work out some tech thing. And she was sitting there with him and Christopher Walken was just like dead silent. And Amy Poehler was freaking out because she was like, I don't know what to do. Like, he's quiet. Like what's going to happen? She had this whole inner monologue panicking, like, that's so cool. Wait, I'm mad. Like (laughs) just thoughts going a minute. Because she's just yeah. used to filling the space. I'm not saying her, her experience is alone. Like we all right, right. experience that a million times. Yeah. And that's something that we really learned in seminary. It's almost like being, a, being yeah. we can sit yeah. in silence with each other. Mm-hmm. And on and 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 on our calls, like our Zoom calls with the Be Loved Now program, we we will sit for minutes. People will open it up and for sharing. And we just say we're okay with silence. And it allows other people to sit with themselves and be okay. Like, oh, silence is okay. We can all just sit here in silence. Yeah, we can spend the next 10 minutes in silence. We're super comfortable. We're really good. In fact, let's all (laughs) enter the space together. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the practice does. That's what the steady practice does. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing I would say that's really unique about our program is one of the things that we loved about going to seminary was we, you know, we write our own vows and at we the, take at vows, the, right? at the, at the end of the Be Love Now program. But we did oh. it in seminary yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were ordained and you speak your vows in a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. And we were, we came out of that and the vows were so powerful for us that we, we say our vows every day. And then mm-hmm. we said, well, why can't everybody just make a vow to themselves because it's to yourself and source in you as you, right? Which only you can do to (laughs) to honor the the things that matter most to you. So we guide and help all of our participants write write their their own own vows vows that they speak daily. And that is a profound process. And, And we have experienced it's amazing. It's just amazing. And then everybody speaks their vows in the graduation ceremony and we are just continuously blown away. It's, it's Aww. such a beautiful, sacred time together. That's to amazing. Really witness each other in saying their, you know, everyone's saying their vows, you know, one after the other, after the other, no filler, yeah. just beauty, Clear. beauty, beauty that's being offered. So who is this program for? Well, we like to say uh, for women ages 18 to 88 and, and beyond, it's pretty simple. We've had 19. Yeah. We've had 19 years old, 19 years old and 86. 86 in the same cohort. 
which is pretty crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. And, and that intergenerational thing is actually one of the things I love most about it. It's very enriching. It's not just a bunch of 50-year-old women. <laughs> it's, it's like... Yeah. You right. get, you get right. all these, you know, women, there's women with young kids, there's women yep. in college, there's women in their twenties making their mark, like they're starting out. And then you have women who are companioning, you know, a husband with Alzheimer's right. or like, it's just like the full gamut. I think the last program that we ran, we had at least one woman for every decade Yeah, from wow. below 20 to over mm-hmm. eight. So cool. all walks of life. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and yeah. what does the commitment look like? And we're ex- we're beginning to expand our diversity as well. So right. that's a really important piece to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have scholarships for women of color. We always take two um, students, two younger students, you know, and give help them with scholarship. We have a really generous donor who a graduate who is like, this is the most amazing thing. I want to make it more available. So we parcel out some money so that we can allow other people to come in. You know, so it's, it's just, it's a pretty awesome thing. And we, yeah. we, we aren't, I mean, and here's the last thing, like, we're not going to ever can this thing. Like, we're not going to like record it. It's not going to be a web, like we, it is real time. And that Hands is, the, that is the beauty of what we do. And because we can tailor it to who's, a, who is right in front of us in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's, juice. That's the juice. juice and the power. And so yep. that's why we only take 20 and we'll probably start taking just a few more because we've got it down now. But mm-hmm. it's that that is so important to us because it's about being present. So it is real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. So for our audience that is listening, can you tell us when the next program starts? What does the commitment look like? What, what are some of the expectations? Uh, our next program begins on September 13th. It's a begins with a Zoom call, a one in a, I think it's an hour and 15 minute. We've changed it, right? Hour and 15 minute Zoom call on Monday a Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. That runs for 12 weeks. Every day you receive via um, WhatsApp, you receive a, a daily reading and two contemplative journal questions. They're all based on the week's principle, guiding spiritual principle. So let's say the first week's principle is honesty. So every day, and Kathy had said this earlier, you'll receive a daily reading and two contemplative journal questions on honesty. And that will be every day of that first week. The lens through which honesty is talked about in those readings is going to change every day. You know, Tibetan Buddhist nun, a famous poet, an African elder, a Native American shaman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We also give you a beautiful, lightly guided sound healing track to listen to. So you listen to the meditation, you do the reading, you answer the questions. It's about a 20 to 30 minute practice every day. And then that culminates in a Zoom call the following week where you go on to the next spiritual principle. And the and the Zoom call is both us introducing the next principle, but it's meditation, mm-hmm. it's practice, it's breath work, it's mm-hmm. journaling, it's co-listening, mm-hmm. it's feelings and needs. So you're doing all of that every week. And you get a swamp sister, we call it the swamp. Really, we kind of got that from Brene Brown because we felt like when we did that 60 day, (laughs) you know, sadhana together that we each hit the swamp at different times and we're stuck in the muck. And And we had to pull each other out of the weeds. (laughs) So we assign swamp sisters to you. Uh, about it's like week three. Yeah, you get one person, you have to connect with them for 10 minutes um, minimum each week where you practice that 
feelings and needs coalescing. It's so very working the muscle. Yeah, exactly. It's very structural. Incredible. I love it so much. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So we're going to send our audience to your website, belovenow.org. Is there anywhere else we can send them to find more resources, to learn more about you? In we the meantime? have, we, we're on social media. We just did a campaign for the month of uh, July. Soul Sovereignty. Soul Sovereignty. We put, po- we don't post every day, but we, we post and right. So on Facebook, Facebook. you can find it, uh, find us at beloved now. So it's B E L O V E D N O W. Um, on Instagram, it's beloved now tribe underscore tribe. Yeah, underscore tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. We'll link to that. And then we also have a link for your discovery call, which will be August 30th. Mm-hmm. And the reason to come on that is to hear from the grads. So we, I mean, Obviously, we're passionate about the program and we live it every day. We we do it with the groups. Mm-hmm. We're not just like, oh, this is what we know. And you should, we literally practice every day with you. We put in the WhatsApp that we've done day one yeah. and day we two. We ask everybody to put in when they finish their day practice, day one done, day two done. We're so, right along. Yeah. We're doing yeah. it. It doesn't get old for us. I mean, we've done it now um, four times. We just did yeah. it again. Yeah. And and, yeah. and it's it's amazing to us that it's like, wow, it's still really applicable and pertinent it's, in our lives. It's really alive yeah. and continuing to change. The other thing that the other the other thing about the discovery calls is we give everyone an, an experience of what it would be like to be in the Be Love Now program. So we'll pray you in, we'll take you through a breath practice, we'll do a meditation, we'll do feelings and needs. You'll hear from the grads. Like, so there's all different things that are going on. We're not going to just try and sell you the program. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your experiences and wisdom with us. This is so lovely to Mm. chat with you today. Well, thank Thank you. you. It's been a real pleasure to be on here with both of you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Well, before we let you run... If we can ask for one final piece of advice, something that people can start doing today to optimize their health, what would that be? Take five minutes, go outside, take your shoes off, sit in the grass, close your eyes and breathe. Be with yourself. Great. See what comes up. (laughs) Don't judge it. And don't (laughs) judge it. Just notice it. Wonderful. I will definitely be doing that today. Me too. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for your time. We are so grateful that you joined us today and we are grateful grateful for everyone that tuned in today. We will see you all next week. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Lauren. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.